missed the boat. And through this piece of my business, I'm trying to help the individual auditors or people who are wanting to be in the profession to become that audit master. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Life in Accounting. We are a podcast production of whereaccountantsgo.com. I'm Mark Oldman, a CPA and your host for this podcast. Well, this week we have a very inspirational and, and frankly, a little lively guest as well. Sabine Charles in New York joined us for the show, and Sabine has a great story to share. I don't want to spoil it too much, but suffice it to say that her career started with a degree in French and Spanish, actually. And that ended up launching her into the internal audit space. And now she not only leads the internal audit function with her organization, but she also helps others to attain the professional certifications that they're striving for. Like I mentioned, this was a very lively and and frankly, just fun interview to record. Sabine is really inspirational. If you do enjoy this podcast, please check us out online. As you know, you can find us at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. We have all kinds of accounting career-focused materials there for you. We have our first two books. We have our blog entries. We have all our other podcasts. And we have a brand new job board that was launched about two months ago as well. So please check that out. Once again, at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started. Here's Sabine Charles. Well, hello, Sabine. Welcome to the show. Hello. Well, for our audience, we have Sabine Charles in New York on the line with us today. And I invited Sabine on the show actually for several reasons. I saw that she's very accomplished in the field of internal audit, which we really haven't highlighted quite enough on this particular podcast. But also, her path for getting there wasn't the typical path that most of us think of. And and on top of her background in in internal audit, she also holds several accounting certifications and, and actually helps others on their path to getting certified as well. And so I knew this would be a great conversation for our audience. Well, Sabine, I do want to make sure that we start at the beginning because I do think that your story is going to be very, very inspiring for many of our listeners. What led you to consider accounting as a possible career choice in the first place? Well, when I was a kid, I dreamt of becoming an actress and I wanted to travel around the world and help businesses develop in developing countries. And so my passion led me to study abroad in Paris and majored in French and Spanish literature and minor in international business. And after college, I joined a UN mission program for about eight weeks uh, where I worked or I volunteered really in Senegal working on a reforestation project. So I attended Baruch College. And it's known for its accountancy program. So many of the students in my classmates are accounting majors. And in college, I had a a boyfriend who majored in in accounting. So from time to time, I used to join him um, to his classes and cut my classes. (laughs) So, (laughs) but in cutting my classes, I was like, why did I do this? My classes are more interesting than this boring stuff. (laughs) So I used to go to his classes and I said to myself, this, 
I am never, never going to be an accountant. This is so boring. But then here's my dilemma. I'm a French-Spanish literature major student in a business school, and I needed to find a job. So the way it worked at Baruch is that accounting students interviewed, I guess, a semester before non-accounting students. So my friends interviewed, and the jobs I didn't want, I used to ask them, can you give me the, the interviewer's business cards? So then, I mean, you don't want the job, so then maybe I could try to, you know, send them letters and explaining my skill set so that when they come back, if they come back, I'll be on the roster of the cat of the students they'll interview because I was a liberal arts student as opposed to a business student. So I did this and I gathered up cards from my friends who interviewed and they just didn't like the jobs. And then I sent out cover letters explaining my background and attaching my, my resume. I printed out, actually I had 500 resumes printed in my bedroom. And I used to have like a little factory because back then, I mean, we were using computers, but still we were still using letters and sending out correspondence through the mail. And I remember my parents were looking, coming by my room going, what are you doing? <laughs> so I had like a little business. <laughs> so <laughs> I was always trying to, I said, I had a goal. I'm going to send 10 resumes a week because I'm getting a job. Okay. And so I, in that process, in that year process, I started to come up with a list of companies that I was really interested in. And one of them was Citibank. And the way I learned about Citibank is through a college friend who interviewed with them. And he mentioned to me that they were looking for people who spoke languages. And this person that they're looking for should be open or willing to live abroad for a couple of months. So you know my eyes opened up. Wow. It was like, ah. And so I said, give me the card, give me the card. <laughs> so he gave it to me. I mean, he was not, he was totally not interested. He was like, I don't want to go any place except live in the United States. So I sent an email to the HR person at City and explaining about my background because I worked full time when I was going to college. Um, I worked as a receptionist at a law firm, and eventually they promoted me to work in the library, the law library, where I used to help the librarians when the um, attorneys came in to look at certain laws and regs. They used to give me the, the documents, and I had to get the, do the research for the lawyers and get them. So I was working full-time while I was going to school full-time. And so, again, explaining my experience, you know, trying to show them that I'm able to do whatever job they're looking for uh, for their new hires. So Citibank, I kept sending them emails. Every time I gained some type of experience or um, new skill through my internships that I acquired or jobs or, or activities that I was involved in, I sent them an email. I kept sending them an email. I sent them about four to five emails and no response. And then eventually at the end of the year, the HR person called me up and said, oh, I received all of your letters. And I was like a little embarrassed. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and she was like, I'm very impressed and we'd like to have you come in for an interview. So I was like, yes, this is it. But then she said, okay, I want you to interview for the internal audit position. And I was like, internal audit? I was like, I'm a French-Spanish, an international business 
minor student. I was like, I don't know accounting. So I had my boyfriend, he was taking classes in accounting, and I gave, he asked him, I asked him, please give me a crash course of like, what is auditing? Like I read his book and I went to the library. I mean, it looked like I was studying for like the biggest final ever. <laughs> and I learned all about Citibank and I went there and I, I landed the job. So that was my first job in accounting. So they gave me an opportunity to be trained in-house because a lot of students, a lot of people, you know, their first job, they don't necessarily, they have, they have a foundation of, of the concepts they learn in school, but they may not necessarily understand business per se. But I was working full-time when I was going to school full-time, so I kind of had the understanding of the dynamics of an office. And so going in, we're all basically starting from scratch. And they gave me an opportunity for me to really understand the mechanics of city, and then they sent me abroad. So I ended up living in Brazil, living in Panama, and then I had to do audits in those languages. And so that was a great, great experience. So, I mean, so that's how I ended up into the internal audit space. In terms of majoring in accounting, that went, they came later on in my career. After working at Citibank, I went to American Express. I went to a couple of companies afterwards. And then I ended up at Deloitte through a friend. I, I said, hey, I was running projects at Deloitte since I came in as an experienced manager through my experiences from Citibank, American Express, and a consulting firm. And I came in, and they looked at my resume. I talked the talk. They could tell that I know my stuff, but my background, my educational background didn't match what they're used to. So I decided to go back to school while I was working <laughs> at Deloitte. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I didn't have much sleep. I ended up majoring in accounting and economics. I had an overachiever, right? Double major. I went in to get a double major, and then I pursued my master's in accountancy. So that's how I ended up being an accountant. But I started out as a French-Spanish literature major thinking I was going to, you know, travel the world and help businesses become better in their process. Isn't that strange? It's a funny story, right? Yes. Wow. You know, when when I think about it, though, I, I, I took several Spanish classes in college, and frankly, it's a lot easier to learn accounting than it is to learn another <laughs> language. So... <laughs> <laughs> but that's, I actually used my language skills to learn accounting. And that's how I picked up the other language. Because I went to Brazil. They speak Portuguese, not Spanish or French. I was on the plane listening to tapes to learn the vocabulary. At the end of the day, the things I learned in my language classes, I used in my professional life because I had done forensic accounting before in my past life through like American Express, I was doing um, more employee fraud things for them. And understanding the pattern is the key because you're looking for things that do not fall into the norm. And by picking up on those patterns is how you really figure out exception or misappropriation of fraud. I'm curious. So you're coming into Deloitte as a manager you have tremendous experience in internal audit at that point, but not the core accounting classes even. How difficult was that? I mean, was the training at Citibank and just you know, all the experience, I mean, did it fill the gaps? How difficult was it coming into Deloitte without that 
that accounting? It's business know-how. At okay. the end of the day, you have to be able to present yourself well, understand the client's needs, and then, because I wasn't coming in as an external auditor, I worked in regulatory consulting for hedge funds and broker-dealers. So you do have to understand the mechanics of money, right, But and the accounting behind it, but then you have to, the internal audit function or my background of internal audit helps me understand the processes around the numbers. And that's when, that's the trap, right? Because if the processes are not functioning well, then it shows up in the number. Okay. That is, that is intriguing. I'm so glad we, we got you on the show. Thank you. <laughs> this is, this is <laughs> Thank you for asking me to be on the show. <laughs> this is unique. So take us forward from there. What, what happened during your time at Deloitte and how did your career progress forward? Well, I'm going to step back a little bit because I kind of jumped into Deloitte. So after leaving okay. Citibank, I went to American Express. I was 50% in Canada, 50% in the U.S. I mean, it was fun because it was, again, looking at consumer banking, a different type of environment. And I did employee fraud, which was kind of fun, which sounds crazy, but it was interesting because then you have to look at how people try to hide things. So you really have to have your radar up and understanding and being very detail-oriented. So I, that was interesting because that opened the avenue, not just using accounting and audit, but then working with legal and understanding what documentation that's necessary if we decide to pursue legal actions against employees. So that was an interesting avenue or an interesting fact or skill that I learned there. And then I ended up at a consulting firm, as I mentioned earlier, and this was during like the Sarbanes-Oxley where a lot of businesses, the accounting firms were separating their consulting arm um, from their accounting assurance services. Mm-hmm. And an E&Y partner started up this company called Audit Force, and then they changed their names a couple of times, and now they're completely a different business now. And there, it was like a startup. So I had an opportunity not just to do audit. But I was, I was on engagement as a controller. I went undercover on a project. I had to act like I was a student because I look very, I look very young. So I had the know-how of like what are the processes that I came under. I was like a student in this particular undercover project, which was fun. So that time I was there for about four to five years and I was exposed to not only internal audit, but a range of different industries as well as different arenas that I guess the core is accounting. Because think about it, from doing undercover stuff, being a controller, going in to chick jeans. I don't know if you remember them. They had a comeback <laughs> a few You're years ago. Both a little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> well, they came, they came back. Yes. I mean, you know, doing, I mean, it's just a range of clients and to conservative investment banking. And then through my relationships out in the business world, that's how I ended up at Deloitte because, again, I was saying, I was just taking a look at my career and saying, okay, I'm a French-Spanish literature person. I'm beginning, I really like this accounting audit stuff. And I was thinking about going back to school. I applied and I started taking some accounting classes and things. And then a friend of mine said, Sabine, you should go to the big four. 
the big four is really going to set your you from apart from everyone else. See, having your background and the big four will be amazing. And he says, uh, let me just get you an interview. No guarantees. I said, I understand. He got me the interview, and I ended up at Deloitte for a couple of years as a as an experienced manager in the position that I was there for about uh, two to three years. And then now, after Deloitte, I ended up working in investment banking. It seemed to me like a good transition because I was in the con- regulatory consulting arm of Deloitte looking at regulatory issues for broker deals and hedge funds and investment banking firms. And so it made sense to, for me to go to um, an investment banking company. They were looking to start out. They were spinning off from another firm, and they needed to at least adhere to SOC, and they needed to have an internal, an internal audit function. And they asked me to help start out that function. And I said, okay, I'm up for the challenge. And I went there, and I was there for a couple of years. I built up the department. We had about three other auditors with different backgrounds. We actually co-sourced with one of the big four to complement the team. And the recession happened. And I said, you know, in my life, I needed to make sure that we were stable financially. And across the street, I think Lehman Brothers just collapsed. I was like, okay. <laughs> My friends were coming out of there crying. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> and, so, and so I was like, okay, well, I don't know what's the situation. And I started interviewing, and I had three offers, and one of them was to start an audit function in an education setting. So I said, you know what, that's kind of different because, I mean, I've had my experiences in financial services, and I said, I'll try this. I joined Toro College, where I've been there for eight years. The first time I was there, this is kind of a funny story, I said, yes, I'm the internal auditor at Toro, and the gentleman came up to me to my office, and he gave me his social security number. I said, sir, for what reason are you giving me your social security number? He goes, I need some help because I'm having problems with the IRS, and I heard that you're the auditor. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so that's where I was. That's where that's, that's the beginning. <laughs> it doesn't matter where you are, everyone thinks we still do tax. I mean it's, it's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> I was like, no sir, no, I'm not I'm not I don't work for the IRS. And so that's where I said, Okay, I need to be a bit of a marketer. And so that's what I've been doing for the last few years. I market our service, and I call ourselves the internal audit team, the trusted advisors. And so I go out, and I have games, like, you know, about policies and procedures. I go to faculty meetings, and I set up games for people to kind of understand some of the controls and process. I do crossword puzzles. I present in different venues, like they having an academic retreat, and they ask me to come and talk. Because they enjoy <laughs> my my presentation, so that's where I I really enjoy helping people understand what we do. Because we're somewhat like the stepchild, right? Everyone wants to be a CPA. They say accounting CPA, accounting CPA. But there's more out there than being a CPA. Not to say that being a CPA is a bad thing, but there are other alternatives. And I'm so happy that you invited me to talk about this because 
I love being an auditor. I enjoy it because I not only help people figure out ways to better their processes, I've built long-term relationships, and they come to me. So my door, I, they call me the school therapist because people come to my office asking me for advice all the time. Yeah, and it's great. And so now we're, I'm thinking um, my staff, so we have a few people. I have an investigator on my team. I have IT, information technology, and I have an operational auditor, and I also do outsourcing. So we have four medical schools, one dental school. We have schools internationally and on the West Coast in Chicago. We have, we're all over the United States, which makes it, and we have different names. So we're not just called Toro College. We have different various names because we're under Jewish auspices as well. So we have Jewish schools and yeshiva and high school equivalent in our system of, of our umbrella of education and where I work currently. Wow, I, I had no idea it was that widespread. Wow, okay. Mm-hmm. I know that for internal audit, you know, part of the challenge is that some companies, you know, when internal audit walks in, you know, the department goes, ugh. Yeah, you know, they're they're not very accepted. And and I know that has a lot to do with the environment. I've just seen how you're setting up the, these games to help individuals understand, you know, what you really do and what the value is. I bet that paves the way for your team to be a whole lot more accepted when they're they're going in, you know, to do their job. I, yeah, that's why I do it because when I come in, I don't want it to be when we're about to audit you or audit the, I call up the client. I want them to understand what we do, who we work for, and the value we add to the institution. Way before when I come in, because I wear two hats where I work, an investigator because of my background, and so I work with legal, with investigations, with the financial and compliance issues. I work underneath their umbrella, and then I'm the chief internal auditor for the institution. So when they see me already there, they're wondering, okay, Sabine is coming. What's the issue? But now they know me before even coming in, so they understand that, okay, she's here to kind of help us out or solve a problem not necessarily, oh, I'm going to get fired <laughs> kind of perspective, which is, you know, the, the image that we, we have out there. And I think the image is changing with the um, institution of internal auditor. They're attempting to change that image, but each auditor has to embrace that change, and we have to be the champion and the marketing person to show and to sell to our clients that, yes, we're here to help and to add value to your process. Okay. You, know, you mentioned certification. So, mm-hmm. so what certifications do you hold? And tell us a little bit about your process that you went through to, to get those, about your certification journey, if you will. <laughs> so my journey really started when I, I was hired to a company, and they said that, hey, we need you to have your certified internal auditor designation. and I said, sure, no problem. But they said, if you don't complete the certification within a year's time, we will have to let you go. So you can imagine the pressure. (laughs) Wow. So I said, huh, all right, I'm up for the challenge. I said, okay, I'll try it. I mean, I'm qualified for the job. It's just the certification they want me to get. No worries. But the pressure of not having a job. And then all of a sudden you start thinking about, I'm going to be homeless (laughs) because 
I'm not going to be able to eat. I'm not going to live. I lose my job. I'm done. You know, I have two kids. You know, like all these things are running through your mind that caused me to fail many times by like points. And so I started getting stressed out. So as you know, stress doesn't help things. And so I started thinking, okay, I need to go to training courses. I went to review courses to help me out. I took the review courses. I ended up helping the teacher teach certain concepts in the review courses. <laughs> I was like, okay, this was a waste. I went out of state to take another review course that's a little bit different. I started meditating. I started going to self-help classes for my anxiety. I actually even got hypnotized to help me with my anxiety so that I could pass this exam because I was like, I don't know why I'm not doing it. And so one day it just basically clicked. And I started with all of these trainings and um, review courses I took. I came up with this methodology. And this methodology actually helped me get my certification. And not only for the CIA one, I have the certified fraud examiner, certified information systems auditor. I have to remember what they stand for. Certified information systems manager, certified risk and information systems control, which is CRISP, certified government auditor professional, certified risk management assurance, Six Sigma, IT governance certification, and certified healthcare internal auditor professional. So now I have these things. And I said, you know what? I've gotten all of this through my journey. And that's one of the reasons why I started my company, TAPA. And TAPA is really to help accountants and auditors maximize their professional growth through examination preparation, self-study, stress management techniques, and one-on-one coaching. And so we provide CPA tutoring and boot camps and seminars, stress management techniques, because now I write questions for exams. Like McGraw-Hill called me up to review some of their books for them at this point in my career. So now I'm beginning to understand how questions are broken up and how questions are posed so that we don't fall for the trap. And so that's how I ended up getting certified, not only as an internal auditor, but things that are related to internal audit and um, accounting. Wow. You've taken on a lot there. Do you, do you have team members that are helping you with some of the, the coaching or, or are, you, are you doing this yes. on your own? Okay. No, the coaching, I have, profess- I have people around the United States. I have a network. So I have a network of hypnotists because I have clients all over. And so for stress management, I have someone in California. I'll have someone in California that I have my network. I kind of have them do the hypnosis for me at this point. And also for the coaching, I have a group of individuals through the Internet, contacts this way and going to conferences that now I'm building presence in different states who, you know, each of those individuals will help me with the coaching piece. Okay. I was going to say, that sounds like a lot to handle on your own. Yeah. No, no. More than one no, person. I have to outsource. Outsource. <laughs> because then that gives me an opportunity to really focus on helping people with the material. Because as one of my jobs, I'm an adjunct professor. So I teach at night IT audit, auditing, forensic accounting. So the teaching methodologies that I've learned through 
being an adjunct because they also train you on presentation and different learning styles. I've incorporated into Tapa Institute. So that's what I tend to focus on, my energies, because that's my sweet spot. And then the other things that are as, as important, because we are not one-dimensional, even though I'm certified as a hypnotist, but I do outsource that to my colleagues who are out there who do this whole time. Once you started passing certification exams, it's like you couldn't stop. I couldn't write fast enough to write them all down. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm still trying to finish because my goal is to have to be the super auditor, right? Because at the end of the day, an auditor has to understand. And you can kind of really group my certifications into kind of buckets. They're about IT, information technology, because the world is becoming more technologically focused. They're compliance certification and, and risk management, which risk management is what we do in business. We mitigate the risk by our control. And then they're auditing. So it's healthcare auditing, IT auditing, internal auditing. So it's about the concept, the methodology. So that's, if you really just take a look at my, my certifications, there's somewhat grouped in those three buckets. Sure. Thank you for getting into TAPA because I, I want to make sure we covered that. I'm curious, we have a listener base that really spans all levels and careers, but it, it's heavier in the younger professionals and, you know, people that are really just starting to decide that accounting is the right path for them. So some students, you know, first two, three, four, five years in their career as well. What advice would you have for individuals that are seriously considering whether or not a certification of any kind is, is worth <laughs> you know, what they're going to have to sacrifice? Because we all know it takes a lot to pass. What, what would you tell somebody that is saying, is it, is it really worth it? Is it going to make that much of a difference? Well, I like to work backwards. At the age of 16, I created a life plan. I still have it. And I'm not going to tell you my age now, but <laughs> I have this piece of paper that I wrote out when I was 16 of where I wanted to be at what age. And so I would encourage a person who's kind of figuring out, okay, should I get certified? It's really to figure out his or her goal, like creating a one, three, five-year plan, and then align your whatever activities, your daily activities, with the expectations of what you want to have for that future. So if certification will enable you to reach your goal, then do it. Because not everyone should be an accountant, not everyone should be certified, but I do encourage it because certifications do show that you are an expert in your field. So I just rambled off about a few certifications that I have, but then you have to really start and figure out, take a step back, and I like to say be an external observer of yourself to enhance your inner self. So by taking a look at yourself outside and saying, okay, if I want to be X, what things I need to do today to work towards that, is that that will help you guide on what certification or what's the next step or what's the next job. I include this question with some guests, and, mm-hmm. and I definitely want to ask you because you are so intentional with the way you attack thing. A life plan at 16, you're definitely a planner. Um, (laughs) (laughs) If you could go back in time and give your younger self just one piece of critical advice based on what you know now, Mm -hmm. what do you think that might be? I would say strive for improvement, not perfection. Hmm. 
because in my journey of failing, um, I speak to my mom. You know, she's like my rock. <laughs> she said to me, because I mean, we, we, I speak another language. English is not my first language. Um, I learned English when I was seven. And, my, and I'm trying to translate this. She said that you must learn how to walk to experience falling. You must learn how to walk to experience falling. So in translation, in my head, that means really keep trying. Yes, you're going to fall. And failure is just really part of the success story. And it may not feel good. You know, people say, oh, just brush it off. Nah, sometimes you can't. (laughs) You try, but it's hard. But eventually you have to just persevere and just say, you know what? Again, what's my goal? And sometimes things are not the way you want it. I mean, I wanted to pass the CIA exam the first try. And sometimes that stress and beating ourselves up is something that I do. I have to admit it. So and I have to be conscientious of it. And really, this is why I have other coping mechanisms. That's why I learned how to meditate. And meditation is just a one form of, of a stress relief. You know, go boxing. You know, do whatever you need to do to kind of balance your brain and balance yourself so that you could be a better person. And so just only doing one thing in my world is not the way to flourish. And that's something that I constantly have to tell myself because I'm like, I love learning. I love learning about auditing concepts and trying to figure out puzzles. But sometimes I have to stop and go to the park. And that's something I actually, my admin actually scheduled lunch in my calendar for me. <laughs> she knows you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I love that. She, she, that's a way of telling me, take a, take a deep breath. Yes. Well, there's three questions I end every podcast interview with. But before we get okay. to those, I, I want to make sure oh. we've covered everything that we should about TAPA. Is there anything else uh, about the TAPA Institute and, and your efforts there that, that you would want the audience to know or anything online you would want them to refer to, anything like that? Please follow me. My website is tapainstitute.com, P as in Tom, A, Apple, P, Peter, aappleinstitute.com, and I have two arms, two sides of the business. One is I call the CPA doctor, and the CPA doctor, I go out, and I have funny commercials on there. You should, have you seen my commercials, Mark? No, I haven't. I need to check those out. You, I am like a superhero. <laughs> I'm jumping over obstacles just to help my clients, running throughout New York City, you know, I mean, I'm telling you, you got to watch these commercials. But anyway, so <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is that the CPA, the CPA doctor, and if you go to Instagram, it's the CPA doctor, you'll follow me there. And I provide stress management techniques, exam taking techniques, and we do customize study plans for each of our clients. And so with that, then based on your learning style, I help you through the journey so that you could be successful in passing the CPA exam. And I have boot camps where I have you interact with the material. So just like how I have games for my executives at my company, I, I created a Lego game to build an income statement and a balance sheet. You know, I have these card games that I created to help people understand and memorize some of the information, the concepts that are often tested. 
And then that's one piece. The second piece is the audit master. And if that's an, in another Instagram arm, the audit master on Instagram. And that is, again, promoting internal audits. You know, internal audit is a service. And at the end of the day, through my career, I've seen auditing taking a back seat to a lot of other functions in the institution. And we're supposed to be the independent entity to provide assurance and consultative services to add value. And adding value is not what I think is valuable. It's what the client thinks is valuable. And a lot of us, we miss the boat. And through this piece of my business, I'm trying to help the individual auditors or people wanting to be in the profession to become that audit master so that they could see to be that external observer to provide that service and share what we have and what we know has internal auditors. So that's really the two things that, and then again, stress management is web is weaved into the whole concept of Kappa Institute. Wonderful. You, you see I'm passionate, huh? Yes. <laughs> Many ways to, to find out more. <laughs> well, I do end every podcast with the same three questions, mm-hmm. and it's okay. one of the more popular parts. Mm-hmm. First one's usually the easiest. From a career perspective, what's been mm-hmm. your proudest moment? Huh. You want one answer? It's like, <laughs> because cause you know what it is? The proudest moment is phased, right? So, so my proudest moment was getting the Citibank job. Right? I was like, yeah, I'm a French Spanish literature major and I got a job that most accountants would love, would die for. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. My brother was a biochemist major and I ended up with a French Spanish literature major and I made twice as much money that he did coming out of school. And so he went back, he went back <laughs> to become an accountant and now I'm helping him pass the CPA exam. He's one of my clients. <laughs> oh. That's perfect. Wow. <laughs> anyway, so so going back to your question, it's phased, right? So it's really getting that first job, getting promoted. My certifications, I'm really proud of. And really, right now, is helping people achieving their goals because I want to give back. I didn't have a mentor or because my parents are immigrants. They were working hard. They had three jobs, didn't speak English. I mean, they learned English when they came here. So they used to always instill, go to school, go to school. Well, they didn't understand the American way. So a lot of things that I had to learn was on my own. I didn't have an uncle who worked in Wall Street. I'm the first generation American. So they didn't really understand. They were trying to figure out the cultural differences and just to feed us. So I like to just give back. And that's my proudest moment. Like, Right now, there, okay, I, actually one student comes to mind. As an adjunct, I was teaching a course, and I, every course I have people do presentation. And there was this one woman from Albania. She didn't really speak English, but she could tell she, understand the, she understood what was going on. And so I had them do group projects. And she used to just whisper in the ear of someone else and then have the other person respond for her. And I said, no. I said, you're going to be the, the team lead. <laughs> I switched the team up, and I said, you're going to be the team lead, and you're going to be the presenter. Oh, she cried. She was so upset. And so she graduated, and then years later, she found me on LinkedIn, and she goes, I want to see you. I was like, okay. And I've, I've taught hundreds of students. I mean, 
lecture halls. And I said, sure. I didn't really remember who she was. And she goes, I want to see you. She came to my office. She bought me this elaborate dessert that she took two days to make. Oh, my gosh. And shared it with Yeah. And she goes, I want to thank you. I said, I was thinking, uh-oh, what did I do? <laughs> I was like, for what? <laughs> and she goes, because of you pushing me, I learned English, and now I have my own tax company, and I'm supporting my family. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that wonderful? Wow. Wow. That is wonderful. We have moments, you know, different moments in life. And I'm proud of my kids, of course. <laughs> I'm proud of my kids. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to get an email from a listener if I don't ask. Just out of curiosity, where did your parents immigrate from? Oh, my parents are Haitian. Haitian, okay. Mm-hmm. I remember you said you you spoke French as well, so I, I there's so and many Creole. options here, I wasn't sure. <laughs> right. Well, see, my when I grew up, I, I didn't speak English. So my parents came up. My father was, um, I forget the word. It's not refugee, it's... Um, where where they give you asylum because he, because he was a judge in Haiti and it was during the the Duvalier era okay. and so okay. judges and a dictator they don't really match so oh. <laughs> they gave <laughs> the asylum they had him come to the United States as an asylum recipient or something okay my mom came here as a student and so they met in the United States and got married so their English they didn't really speak English per se so at home. I spoke Creole, which is the Haitian, one of the Haitian languages. Haiti has two official languages, Creole, um, which is a mixture of African languages and French, English, Spanish, and Arabic, and the African language of 12 different tribes that came through the passageway. So they did like a quilt language. So it came out, and it's called Creole. So at home, we spoke Creole, and then at, when we went to school, I went to a bilingual school when I was a kid in kindergarten, which was really a French school until I was seven. And then I went to public school and all of a sudden I didn't speak English. <laughs> so I had to be put into a class, ESL, English as a second language. I don't know if they even have that anymore, where I was immersed in regular classroom with the American students and then they pulled me out certain parts of the day so that they could teach me American grammar. That's where I actually learned English when I was seven years old, something like that. Okay. Wow. Well, the second <laughs> question. <laughs> yep. Tell us about a lesson you learned the hard way. And the more you can tell us about the situation, the better, of course, because that's sort of how we learn. <laughs> well, I kind of alluded to this, something that I learned the hard way. is that it's the stress. Stress could really hurt us. I mean, I had to be rushed to the emergency room because my neck locked up. Oh. Of the, that was the level of stress I was under. Stress will kill. And so that's really a lesson that we have to just manage and figure out, you know what? Don't worry about the small stuff. Yeah, yeah. If you don't get certified next year, we're going to fire you. That's stress-inducing. <laughs> <Wow. laughs> Well, last question, and you may have alluded to this already, but just in case there's one more lingering thought or piece of advice out there, what's the best piece of advice that you personally have ever received? Don't compete with other people. Oh. You have to compete with yourself. And so I see that a lot through my working with my clients at TAPA. A lot of my clients who need to pass the CPA, they need to pass it so they could be moved up to manager level at the big four. 
And so I've had people fail and they've had nervous breakdowns in my office. And because they say, oh, so-and-so, she's just like me, but she passed and she got a 78 and I failed and I'm so stupid. And, you know, just all that beating ourselves up. So I think at the end of the day, we have to, and this is why I go back to that plan, figure out what can we give out to the world and figure out what's our gift or even what you would like to get out of it and then work towards it. So your plan may be different than someone else's. And if you have a plan or some type of course of action, then you won't necessarily, you'll have blinders on because you're focused on your plan and you're not looking to the side, your left and your right, and start saying, well, this person has a better car than I do. Well, this person has a better life than I do. So I think just really competing with yourself and just really try to constantly improve self is an advice I would give. And it's very hard because, I mean, we compete with each other from very early age in this society. We force and everything, right? I mean, people to the point where people cheat. Yeah. This really has been a good interview. And, and for the audience out there, make sure after you're done with this episode to go check out Sabine's superhero commercial <laughs> online. So that's the first thing I'm going to do for sure. <laughs> Go on the website. They're on the website. <laughs> wonderful. HappyInstitute.com. Yes, we will. We will for sure. Well, this has been wonderful, Sabine. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. And thank you for having me. Well, that was our interview with Sabine Charles. And, and like I mentioned in the intro, it was just a fun interview to record. She's so upbeat and, and so positive. I came away from the interview just, just feeling better and, and having a better day later on that day as well. It was a wonderful interview to record. Some of the takeaways that I personally have from this interview were first, sort of the unique start to her career. You know, we haven't interviewed too many people with a degree or degrees in foreign languages and I found it interesting how that launched her into the internal audit world and how I'm sure that still benefits her to this day. And secondly, I love how she took a difficult time in her life and she turned it around into an experience that now benefits others. She told us about the stress that she was under to achieve a certification and to complete that within one year and, and how that worked to her detriment. However, now it works to other people's benefit because that fuels her passion to help others achieve the certifications that they so badly want to achieve. I just love that story. You can tell that Sabine truly enjoys what she does. If you found value in this episode, please check us out online. Like I mentioned, you can find us at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. One book that may interest you was our first book, 49 Tips for a Successful Accounting Career. It's been out for about a year now. It's been received in, in such a wonderful manner. I, I really appreciate all of you that have already ordered a copy or ordered the Kindle version. I've gotten some great comments and, and it warms my heart each time. So thank you very much. You can find it for immediate delivery on our website at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. And once again, it's titled 49 Tips for a Successful Accounting Career. Well, thank you again for joining us. I'm Mark Goldman, your host for Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. And we will see everyone next week. There's more to come.